Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Rolling with Disadvantage, the D&D podcast where we won't be playing D&D. As always, I'm your host, Tyler. I am your wizened co-host, Till. RWD is our podcast where we argue, debate, and talk about how we'd love to have a sponsor one day. Or to have the void not be something we scream into, just talk about it once in a while. About various aspects of D&D 5th Edition, feel free to join the conversation by tweeting us at RWD Podcast. First thing, you know, you watch, I watch a, a program that happens every Sunday night called Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. Mm, indeed. He's recording from a void. The void, yeah. He makes the same joke. I like to think that, you know, I'm actually here with him somewhere. Yeah, he's, like we he's, mean, we've been we've been making the void joke for years at this point. He's new. He's new on the bandwagon. New to but the void. You know, but he doesn't know what we're doing. Void's big, vacuous. You know, is the void big or is it non-dimensional? Ooh, I think that it is our own personal space. Do you have? Do you exist in space when you're in the Every, void? Everybody is in their own void at all times. So, so the void is a container. It has a finite dimension to it. I like to think of the void as like a super extra dimensional, like dice vault that holds each thing in its own separate place. Like and we're uh, all the Matrix pods. Yeah, but... yeah, we're all in the container, but we're all in our own container. I think about you know the Big Bang, right? Before the Big Bang, I think when at the very moment of the Big Bang, when everything was a singularity. It was infinite in scale and how small it was, right? It was infinitely small mm-hmm. and large. It didn't yes. have dimension. Yes. That's the void in my in my vision. It is just nothing. There is nothing. Without form and substance. Without form and substance. It's not an empty it's not an emptiness, right? Because an emptiness implies a container. It is not a thing. It's like consciousness. What is it? It's just there. It doesn't really exist. It's not physical. It's not tangible. It is it is it, it it is and it isn't. It's Schrodinger's space, I guess. Yeah. Like uh, what's her name from the Good Place? She lives in a void. Janet. Kristen Bell. Janet oh. lives in a nameless void or a boundless yeah. void. I watched like the first two seasons. It was fine, but I, I enjoy it. I laugh, but I I think I stopped it in the third season. So love like, a good laugh. The, the same jokes over and over and over again. Just it's too much. My wife. Started watching Letterkenny. Oh God, I love Letterkenny. Watched one episode, haven't gone back to it, but there was a joke. I was dying laughing. One character's eating food of some kind, and the and the, his sister or somebody says, "You know, there are starving people all over the world." And he says, "Yeah, name ten. And I just, <laughs> I just, like that. Was, I'd never heard that joke or any version of that joke before in my life, and I thought, God damn it, that was funny. See, and I think that's the difference. Um, there are some shows like uh, South Park, Letterkenny, Rest Development, where they have these, it's the same jokes, but those same jokes kind of build on mm-hmm. themselves. Whereas I feel like The Good Place is just the same joke at the same level every fucking time. Uh, Which actually I'm... makes sense, given the world that they live in. Uh, yeah, I guess there's running gags. I don't know. I'm a Seinfeld person. It's it, That kind of structure of joke gets me. Where it's like the whole episode is like you know, the joke. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've watched it so many freaking times. So uh, okay, we are gonna we're gonna talk about what we we're gonna talk about last week, which we didn't have time because we didn't ran get out of the time. chance. 
if you're not a person who has looked at or has listened to last week's episode about art and illustration, you should visit our Twitter to see what we talked about and listen to it. I think it was a great episode. I enjoyed the pictures. The pictures were great, and I posted all of them on the Twitter. Uh, so you can see visually what we described and uh, mm -hmm. some links to the people who we referred to. So like Sketch Goblin and uh, those other illustrators. Um, Sketch Goblin just posted something else on Reddit, another campaign group portrait. It looks super cool. Uh, anyways, but we're going to talk about dice for mm -hmm. the first segment today, which I... Well, I when you notes. showed me your notes, I was like... I don't have this many notes. I mean, we were just talking about dice. So I think you and I are taking two very different approaches to dice today. I like last week with the art episode. Yes. I so mean, I'll let I, you start this boat off. There's several things to discuss. Um, and the first one is simply the function of the dice, right? Mm -hmm. what, okay. is a, what are dice for? If you are listening to this podcast and you don't have the answer to that, just leave. This isn't for you. Uh, excuse me in one word what are dice for one word one word um what's the best way to describe it in one word um than r uh, uh despair nope okay rolling rolling is oh, the answer it's oh, part okay. of the title of the show yeah okay as a matter see. of fact dice are for rolling right that's their purpose. That's their function. They, I mean, sometimes they're for stacking. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're for throwing at people. Dropping. Dro you drop dice. Dro oh, losing them and dropping them. That's that's yeah. key. Uh, other times, it's just to stare at them because they're pretty. And listen to the really loud sound when you shake your box full of dice. Mm, very other loud. Other times, dice are just for purchasing. Like the people who have infinite dice and continue to buy more. Or the, they buy the pound of dice. Yes. Or people that buy like show dice, like made out of like whale bone and shit that they have no intention of ever rolling. We're going to hit on some of those. Yeah. But I got my first really nice set of dice um, two years ago, almost two years ago for Christmas. My mother mm -hmm. got me metal dice. Yes, a very, in my opinion, a much more recent trend. Um, this this kind of metal or craft dice like scenario wasn't a thing. It's like, once upon yeah, a time. I don't know when it happened in the last in the last five or six years, probably. I feel like I can nail this down for you because I feel Go like ahead. it's the exact moment that Liam O'Brien got metal dice. That the cast of Critical Role got their dice from Gil. Yeah, I, I didn't like know that about that when I, metal dice. when I first started encountering metal dice. I didn't know about that. Um, but yeah, I could I can imagine that such a popular show also helped popularize metal dice. And they're not nearly as expensive as they once were. Mm -hmm. um, the ones that I have are from a company that no longer exists, apparently called MinMax. And they're just steel dice, right? And we've talked about we've talked about rolling metal dice. It's so satisfying to roll metal dice. They're like thunk right <laughs> in, the, in the dice tray they really feel like they matter when you roll them mm -hmm. and they really are dangerous a metal d4 Hurts. is an actual caltrop. caltrop yeah it right? does d4 damage it, if you stepped on it without realizing you put your full weight of your body it would stab you mm -hmm. it would pierce your skin I mean, we all we all know stepping on a d4 is 
dangerous. So you got a metal D4? Oh, girl, is actual pain. Yeah, yeah, you might actually go to the hospital to get that thing taken out. Um, so the, the 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 type of dice that most of us have encountered or probably have are the kind of dice like they're they're diehard dice is the company. Um, they're like you know kind of an opalescent iridescent color with like a gold or silver blue outline around them. They look fancy, mm-hmm. and they're metal. Um doctor in our campaign he got me dice that look like that they're not from die hard dice i forget where they're from but he got me dice that look like that so do you have metal dice uh i do not i've not seen cause to get them i actually whereas you like the thud and you know i think i appreciate the thud i like dice that roll that that when you roll them they kind of just go for a little bit and maybe even a little longer not as much as foam dice but yeah. just that little just a little more of an action with the roll that way you're not quite sure what it's going to be until it finally stops but that, that like. leads to a tricky extra bit um like when you combine a dice tray with your dice mm-hmm. for example yeah you have where, where's your dice tray from wormwood you have wormwood dice tray I have two. when you roll regular plastic chessex type dice in there yes they like commit an extra roll yep. and you roll it. it's like i'm done no i'm not and it does Especially, like one more loop D20s, D12s love doing that. Yeah. Uh, D6s, depending on if you have rounded edge uh, D6s, yeah. they'll do that a lot. Um, but yeah, D20s and D12s, they will always make that little extra, you know, depending on how much you put into it when you rolled it. And I, I love that. So oh, I rolled a 20 one. Yes. I, <laughs> we, I have more to say about that, but there's one more metal die type I want to talk about. And there was, um, it was very popular on the Reddits for a moment. There's a die company called Fallacy Dice. Um, they sell most of their stuff on Etsy. Okay. And he became very popular. I say he, they, they became very popular because they posted solid gold D20. Mm. In mm. in the style of like that lovely swirling. It's not the, the die itself is not solid, but the metal that was making it was solid gold. Right. Okay. Possib- possibly like a thousand or two thousand dollars worth of gold to make this die um and on the post this person talked about like i'm i only rolled it once to commemorate it and i'm never rolling it ever again right fair fair what is it at that point it's not it's just an art object what is it yeah i mean it's a collector's item that's all i told my mother when she got me i might have told my wife i told my mother when she got me these steel dice i said this is basically the equivalent of getting me jewelry (laughs) <laughs> yeah no i like that i like that a lot like it i'm gonna use it like and i might you know you wear jewelry you're gonna use it i'm gonna use it but it's so precious and mm-hmm. so much more expensive than it needs to be like you can get plastic jewelry and get plastic earrings but you can also get gold and silver and diamond earrings right so this fallacy dice place you can't get the solid gold one he doesn't make those anymore but if you want sterling silver dice that's basically what the shop does is sterling silver i think bronze dice so if i look at uh i'm gonna just i'm on his etsy right now i'm just gonna kind of d8 here okay it's 43 dollars mm-hmm. for uh let's say silver a silver die the other ones are not bronze they're brass okay fair so it's is a okay. Let's look at the cost of the whole set. Is a silver die worth for? Say <laughs> so each each die in the set costs about forty forty three forty four dollars. What we got to look at for this? How much? What? How much do the dice weigh? 
Oh, oh, I should. That's why I should be on here, right? Yeah. Uh, the D20 of the set weighs 11.1 grams. 11.1 grams. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, silver price today per gram uh, is 80 cents. Okay. So if you're, you're not just paying for the silver, if you're just paying for the silver, it costs, you know, $9. You're paying for the craftsmanship. Yeah, I'm paying for the silver. Yeah, I mean, I, you should. Do you want me to send you this link? You should look at it. They're they're pretty. They're very pretty. I, I no, I'm not that interested in that. Uh they're very very pretty. But like, I'm not saying they're not pretty. If you want to get a set of them, it's going to cost you the the the, the polyhedral brass set is two hundred and fifteen dollars. Yeah, no, that's a lot. No. That's a lot. No, uh, probably my favorite die I ever saw. I think it was probably. Three, two or three years ago now. I think closer to three. Um, we were talking about Gillis. I can go for making his dice for crit roll. He actually, if I'm not mistaken, it's again, it's been a while. I believe he made a D20 out of a meteorite. Yes, he did. And I thought that was cool as shit. There is, um, there is a website that, that's uh-huh. not for the meteorites, but for the other stuff you already mentioned called Artisan Dice. Yes. Girl. Gator bone. They're and... so fancy. They're so fancy. Like titanium dice, right? Yeah. Um, they have a necromancer brand, the ones that are made from bone, including one made from mammoth tusks. There you go. And they have a they have a thing on their um website. It's like you might not be able to order this in the state you live in because of like it's regulation. Yeah, yeah, it's illegal, right? You're getting die crafted, carved from the the tusks of long dead mammoths. I want to pull these back up. Mammoth ivory, right, is what they're described yeah. as, and they look lovely. Um, due to trade bans in the following states, are unable to ship to California, New York, New Jersey, Illinois, Nevada, New Hampshire, Hawaii. Hey, you um, might not be on that list. So, if you are getting a polyhedral set with no inlay, you can get them inlaid with metal. Mm-hmm. $2,200. Okay, not too bad. Not too if you're bad. inlaying them with silver, $2,360, right? And, yeah. and other metals cost a similar amount. Okay, not too bad. Not too bad. $2,400 for seven <laughs> dice. Are you kidding me? It's insane. See, I mean, there was a time that I would always buy sets of dice. Like, I was straight Chessex in the plastic. Yeah. Plastic container. It's um, double value because the box lets you use a medium or a large creature. Large creature, yeah. And, or you can use it to represent that you're flying, which is exactly. always helpful. Um, and then also, triple threat, uh, my friends would do shots out of them. So that was always helpful. Lovely. And you put the die in there to, to trick them into swallowing it and die. Oh, yeah. No, they didn't do that. D4, damage internal. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, so uh, but I always started chess X. But then as I, as I grew older... I was like, they're just fucking dice. And so yep. I would just buy, I would, you know, I'd, uh, typically Amazon actually, uh, as and other sites will just have uh, set sales and they'll do, you know, seven sets for 20 bucks. And I'm like, okay, cool. There was That's, a, um, what, what's the one criteria you have for dice? Cause I only have one. You know, mine. Is it the Le- same? Legibility. Yeah. Okay. No, I don't even have that one. My only criteria is that 20 
and one have to be on the opposite side from each other. And you can't have top heavy dice. You can't have 2019, 18, 17 all around each well, that's other. A, that's a spin down counter, you know. Yes. L- legal have dice that. have the, the opposite numbers. A lot of people don't talk about legal dice anymore. Like it's not a thing anymore because dice are dice. Well, in theory, it doesn't really matter if you do it. It doesn't do a full fledged roll, right? As opposed to just like dropping it. But a legal die has the 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 opposite ends are opposite each other. So twenty is opposite one, nineteen is opposite two, eighteen is opposite three, etc. And you keep them away from each other. That but legibility way, is key. Anywhere can work. Anywhere might be good on that d twenty for you. Or anywhere might be bad. Yes. I hate dice that can't you can't read. Yes, I know you that. Yes. Like the ones with dwarven numbers on them, shoot me in the fucking foot. Okay, it's so hard to read. I hate it so much. Tabby Baby's uh, clear elvish dice with elvish yep. script that nope. are like no, white. You. And you, you kind of like pick it up. And like, honestly, on his D8s, I look at the seven and the one I'm like. Those are very similar. Like I I do the thing where I just check what's numbers across from it. And that pretty much helps me determine what it is. Now, there's, there were other dice historically that were really stupid and just as annoying as that. Um, and that was barrel dice. Not dice made from barrels, right? Dice that looked like tumblers. They were yes. round cylinders yes. with pointed ends. Yes. The D20 oh my was God. a 20-sided cylinder. Uh-huh. Imagine you rolling it. It just would keep rolling yes. forever. Yes. And if you didn't have a level surface, it would just roll right into the corner. Mm-hmm. And this was in all shapes. So it didn't matter if it was D6 or D4 or whatever. Actually, the D4 looked like a dreidel. Yes. But the other ones were just essentially the X-sided cylinders. And were very, very annoying. My brother had some of these, and they looked cool. I'm not going to argue. They didn't look cool, but they were not very practical dice. The idea is fine. The execution is terrible. Yeah, I feel like we could have looked at it and go, that's just going to be nearly a circle, and we'll never stop rolling. Yes, and especially the higher you go. Um, have you ever seen the D100 balls? I have, and I, I used to have a D30, but I have seen the D100 balls. Oh, my gosh. It's just, it's just the numbers ball. are numbers are so tiny. It's just a the, fucking ball. You, you try to you try to look at what's you, you have to like stand over it and like look straight down at it and hope that you can kind of guess what the number is. Speaking of D one hundred, I think we're you know we should both have the same answer to this, but I'm double checking right now. Yeah. Um, when you roll a D percentage in a D ten, yeah, is triple zero zero or one hundred? Triple zero would be one hundred. Okay, perfect. That's what I say. Right. There's no zero. You can't. There's no zero. It's one to one hundred. And and in charts in the game, yes. But like when you roll it, you perceive it as one hundred. It's one hundred. Yeah. In the same uh, way that if I roll a zero on a d10 normally, it is ten, not 10, zero. It's not a zero. Uh, so there are. I I actually agree with you. Now I, I love my metal dice, and I probably will acquire some new ones. But I have mm-hmm. also acquired cheap ass dice. There was, um, and you can actually. I think they're still there now. There's a website called Woo Pop Culture. <laughs> wpcstore.com I only know I only know this because they have seven piece dice sets that are free and you just have to pay shipping oh okay well there you go and I've acquired a black and a white dice set from them they're fine they're fine yeah. Yeah. they're perfectly fine plastic dice and I just paid shipping what was like four bucks or whatever so yeah. cheaper than a normal die set well essentially you're paying them with your information yeah, well, whatever. Which they I, then will sell to whoever. That's fine. All right, everybody I know. Has not, my information. I was the yeah. victim of the Equifax breach. Everybody already has my information. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's too late. But you can, like, I can post this link if anybody wants it. But WPCStore.com, uh, seven piece set for Dungeons and Dragons dice. They're still listed as free. You just have to pay shipping. 
So literally the yeah. price is zero dollars down from 10. Well, you know, hard to pass that up. That's um, why I did it. I was like, free dice. Hells yes. I Man. personally um have been if we if we played in person, I would have bought these by now. But uh my big thing that I've been eyeing are not uh dice, but dice spinners. Uh uh mithril armory is the company that makes them here i'll send you the link um it's a very simple system just uh an orb with ball bearings Mithril. on a setting and you spin it instead of rolling and oh man it, i've seen them used they are just they're beautiful they look nice i like the company that makes them they're a bunch of fun canadians mithril doing a giveaway I don't want to enter my email though. Um, but they do D20, oh, D10, a, D40, 68, D12s. It's a. What the fuck am I looking at? It's a ball? Yeah. On a base. Yep. What the it, fuck? It is a ball on ball bearings, and you spin, and you'll see a colored ball bearing, and that'll tell you essentially what you rolled. Oh, I don't like that. Yeah. I don't like this. They're very, they're very pretty, and they're fun to look at. I don't care for it. I'm confused by it, and it makes me scared. They also have a uh, tin D20 that you can cut out and make yourself. Tin? Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Myth roll. Myth R-O-L-L -L armory. Yes. Interesting. Um, you And they have, I think you can customize dice for like 20 bucks. Hmm. Well, obviously, dice that are near the top of my list are mentioned ones you mentioned before. Foam. You dice. you do love your foam dice. You're the only person I know that got a foam die as a joke and said, "This is it. Yes. This is the future." I have got I have two sets, two seven die sets of foam, and I've given you each a foam d twenty. Mm -hmm. Um, and this obviously started with a giant foam d six, those gimmicky ones you can get at like five below. And I threw that at one of our players, and it hit him in the face. And he was a—he was just a—he did, he did not take kindly to it. Uh, and I realized, oh, you can throw these at people. Uh, so you can throw them, and they're squishy, and they are <laughs> evil. The D twenty is evil. I feel like it was that. What was I feel like it was the D eight that one time, like hit, and like you thought it was about to stick, and then it actually did like a full. 180 and flipped over completely they like they 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 fall over with enough energy to bounce back yeah because they're squishy and the d20 does it all the time where it literally will look like it's about to land and they just bounce back to another number and it's so incredibly frustrating um but they're so funny they're so goofy they're big and they're squishy and they're colorful i got mine yes. from minion games and they're so fun i love them well dice in general are fun it's the fun part of the game no speaking of fun um the last the ones that i want to mention I don't know if you have something else is a, there's a Kickstarter. Oh, actually I have two more, but there's a Kickstarter that I wanted to mention to you. And I'm going to send mm -hmm. you the link in case you haven't seen it already. That is just the word I'll use is delicious. Okay. Oh, is Price. it the, is it the chocolate slash ice tray? The sweet shop dice collection. This is a Kickstarter right now. Eight delicious looking dice sets inspired by classic sweets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you oh, have I've not seen this one. No. Bubblegum bottles and cola bottles and fried egg and uh you know a sprinkle looking one. They look like candy. 
I, I, I can see exactly why you like these. They're legible and they Uber, look lovely. Uber crisp and legible. Very, very crisp. So, so nice. Like the those numbers you could see across the room and know what they are. Yeah, and they're bright. Look at that. There's the white lettering on the rhubarb, uh, rhubarb and custard one is so clear. Or oh, the yes. black, the black numbering on the strawberry one. Woof, girl. Like even the heartthrob, which is probably the hardest read because of the two tone nature of it, still works. Yes, because it's the 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 white and the red are so distinct. The gold on the yellow in the fried egg is probably the worst. That is the hardest one to see. Yeah, right. Again, why'd you pick fried egg for a sweets sweets themed here? Don't know where that one came from, but the bubble gum just cute. Still in clicks Kickstarter uh, with uh, a. 1200 oh maybe it's maybe the kickstarter is over actually 1200 people gave 40,000 pounds which is crazy the goal was 18,000 pounds um but i actually want to mention one more that you might have seen before if you, did you see the one that i mentioned the dice uh ice tray slash chocolate mold no oh yes, it's, uh, it's a mold to make your own yes i yeah. have seen those yes, yes yeah yes. so you make I your like own dice out of ice or chocolate or, or whatever yeah you eat or drink exactly i would love to have an ice cube tray with that right not that yeah, i use right? ice cubes except in my water but it's still kind of fun i just sent you a link for the last one i want to mention and that is thorn dice i don't know thorn dice it's it, it's just a thing that shapeways makes shapeways a company oh no where you no send, um, no you no send... no no i refuse eh, eh. Send... <laughs> shapeways nope. let you send models and they will 3d print whatever you want for you mm -mm. thorn mm -mm. dice is made by a person named wombat Mm -hmm. And it's exactly what you think by hearing the word thorn. Mm -hmm. They're a tangle of metal with spikes. Yep. Nope. So just, just Google Shapeways Thorn Dice. And you will not be disappointed in this $147 metal die set. Utterly, utterly, utterly disturbed. I don't like it. I don't it's, want it. It's amazing. Nope. So mm -hmm. dangerous. That's a, that's a D4 plus one right there. That's a D4 plus one right there. That's a great way of putting it. Um, but I, you know, I think we can all agree. There's not a single one among us playing there the is, game who doesn't there, love dice. There is one thing that I did want to bring up Go real ahead. fast. What are your views on digital dice? I don't. I mean, I use a uh, die roller. Yeah, when I'm DMing because of the sheer volume of dice I'm rolling. I, I understand that, but I mean, obviously, we are in the world that we are in. There are more than enough of us out there that are online. D&D Beyond has a lot of digital dice options, as do other sites. Do you think it's ever worth the investment to get that kind of thing? I don't think anybody should ever pay for digital dice. Does that answer your question? That answers the question. Um, because why would I ever do that? So for you, it's it like getting the the... Getting the roll out of it isn't the same to you as rolling dice in person? Not even a little bit. Okay, well. No, there's there's, there's no digital dice serve a purpose, and that is to to give me a number, to randomly generate a number. Mm-hmm. You know, that I'm not, I'm not actually rolling it. I don't get to have the physicality of it, the phenomenological experience of rolling dice, right? There's, there's The sound is not the right. It's not right. The weight is not right. The balancing is not right. You know, you had an app on your iPad that rolled dice. And it, it, did, it did the whole thing. It. Like, it, it displayed the whole thing, but it still wasn't the same. It was pretty fun. I enjoyed it. And a that was deal. a free app, right? Yeah. Uh, I have no problem with digital dice rollers. There's so many of them out there, but I don't think anybody should ever be paying for digital dice. 
I don't think people should pay for digital content, generally speaking, that doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Like um, the people who pay for skins and games. Okay, well, that's a whole different topic, sir. <laughs> right? Why are you doing that? I don't know. That's, a that's exactly what paying for digital devices is. It's paying for a skin on something that is Already just exists to generate numbers. Fair Wizards enough. has had a die roller for like 20 years. Yes. Online. I've, I've used that die roller. That's the only one I use. Right? Because you can, you, I can customize how many dice I'm using. I can customize the side of my dice and a modifier on the dice. It's all right there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, for like rolling D, uh, 46s drop the, the, the lowest is, uh, I think Don John is the website I use for that. No, it's not. It's uh, I just use the Wizards dice roller for that too. Um, Brock Jones. Brock Jones is an online die roller that has lots of stuff. BrockJones.com. Um, but yeah, I don't. I'm. I'm. I don't care. I have. Okay. I have no interest in digital dice. Right. Fair okay, enough. That was that went a little longer than I thought. Uh, other thoughts about dice. You can never have too many dice. Shiny math rock go click clack says the internet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, That's mm-hmm. what it's all about. Um, okay, when we come back, we are going to talk about. Spoopy stuff. Just in time. Woo! Okay, right okay, we're back. Uh, it's not quite Halloween, but happy Halloween, people. Happiest Sawain to you all. Sawain? Isn't that what it's called? Sawain. Isn't what's that Samhain? the isn't that the actual holiday's name? All Hallows Eve? No. No, back when the pagans actually uh uh used to celebrate it. All Saints Eve? Just give me a second. <laughs> keep going, keep going, keep okay. going. You're doing okay. a thing. Yep. All right. I'm doing Sa- Samhain. 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 Yes. That is yes. that is a, a pagan holiday. Gaelic. Yes. Uh, it's. I think it's just to, to say that you know winter is coming. Yeah. Exactly. I'm fairly certain that's what it is. Um, Halloween is coming, people, and D and D is a great opportunity to be spooky. We could have obviously um saved this for next week when Halloween is closer, but we wanted to talk about. Uh, potential spoopy stuff to put in your campaigns, to put in your adventures, to put in your one shots. Um, that might that might be quality D and D. And this came to me as I was texting you a yes. an idea for a bad mm-hmm. guy. Mm-hmm. Um, that I was inspired by one of my favorite horror movies of the last ten years. Easy, it follows. Great movie. Great movie. Uh, I will. I don't think I'll spoil anything, but the premise of the movie for those of you who haven't seen it 10 out of 10 recommend fantastic film mm-hmm. the premise is uh the character the victim whomever acquires the curse so to speak and there's an entity in the world that is just walking towards them wherever they are mm-hmm. it is pursuing them is walking towards them the entity can change shapes and it can only be seen by the person who is cursed or someone who has previously been cursed and the entity pursuing you, its goal is to kill you. That's it. So when you acquire the curse, it just starts walking towards you. It knows where you are. No matter what, it is walking towards you. And when it gets to you, it kills you in a very gruesome way. It is pretty gruesome. 
Now, this is the part I don't think is a spoiler because they reveal it pretty early on. The way you get rid of the curse is to pass it to somebody through sex. Mm-hmm. That's how you. That's how you do it. It's like a, it's like a, you know it's an analogy for STDs. Basically, you pass it to somebody. But the trick is, if the entity kills the person you passed it to, it will then re-aim its sights on you and sort of go back up the chain, yep. so to speak. Right? I think that concept of a, as a spooky entity is something that's just out there pursuing you, no matter where you are, would be great, scary tension in a D&D campaign. Completely agree. Completely agree. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was going to say, um, there are, uh, I think there's probably one person that I know that has seen as many horror movies as I have. And definitely that idea. Uh, it's it's a constant in, in any horror film. It takes different shapes, different forms. But the idea of the this relentless pursuit that you can never escape is terrifying. There's nothing you can do to stop it. All you can do is to live with it or through it or beyond it. And that would be why it's scary, especially in a D&D campaign, where everything you encounter generally, oh, we can fight this, mm-hmm. right? Even if even if we realize, oh, we're underpowered, we can fight this. These entities in, in horror movies are often unfightable. Yes. They're not things that you can combat in any traditional sense. You have to, you have to go on a quest to find mm-hmm. a very specific way to defeat your pursuer. Even in if classic, it can't even be defeated. Exactly. Because I was going to say, even in classic Halloween, right? Mike Myers, they shoot him repeatedly. Mm-hmm. And he does not stop. They, in subsequent ones, blow him up and set him on fire. He does not stop. I don't even, I can't even recall right now how you stop Mike Myers. You don't. I don't think you can. There's no stopping him. Essentially, uh, with with Mike Myers, um, it's either he's in the mental hospital just lying low, or he's out and about killing people. There, you know, you got two modes. Um, you can you can destroy, like, you can try to destroy his physical body, but it will come back eventually. I think that's it. You can you can blow him up, and you can win the day. Yeah, but he's going to win the war. Yeah, there's no the war of attrition. There's no long term stopping there. Yeah, uh, and I think that you know. Um, that idea uh, is very much, as you said, uh, the idea, uh, a lot of 70s and 80s slasher movies were based around the idea that sex is bad yes. and that if you have sex, you will die. And yes. he is that thing. That that's the, uh, that's the idea behind a lot of horror movies is sex is bad and because you had it, this thing is going to kill you now. Correct. It's a very puritanical Hollywood thing. True. Yes. Yeah, very much so. Um, and you saw that very much in a lot of horror movies. I I think something fun or interesting, I think a good uh, spooky horror angle to take, um, I th- I'd, I'd go one of two ways. I'd either go with something like uh, Hellraiser, uh, yes. personal favorite of mine. Clive Barker did an excellent job um, with that story. Uh and the idea that you have brought this upon yourself, you have you have searched too long and too far, and you've come across this object that now is unleashing this this horrid thing upon you. And you can just avoid it, but it will always kind of be there. And if you don't deal with it, it will only get worse. So you have 
unleashed it on the world, either deal with it or the world has to suffer for it. I have a question about Hellraiser. Yeah, go ahead. I've only seen it once, but I've yep. seen, I think, one, two, and three. You haven't seen through ten yet? Mm. Uh, did did the character who who awoke Hellraiser, the mm-hmm. guy in the first two, yes. um, did he seek it out like for the pursuit of the pleasure of pain? Is so, that what we're led to believe? So in, in the first one, and it, he didn't really do it in the second one. But anyway, um, it, 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 the story behind the first one is that he is seeking the next thing. It's like a drug addict, um, which is more so the analogy they were going for in Hellraiser. Um, seeking that next big high. Like he had, ha- he had fucked everything, you know, yeah. and he had lived a life of pleasure and he was a bit of a masochist um, and into that. Um and so he eventually just wanted to find the next thing beyond just getting whipped and bound and, you know, beat and whatnot. That sounds appropriate for some horny bards. If, it, yes, yes. Um, I think it's good for any group that's kind of like always searching for that next item. Like you're never content with the items that you have and you need that next big thing to, you know, stop the bad guy or whatever. You could just be sent on a quest by a mysterious stranger who's like, oh, well, I know of this object in this area. Go get it, and it and all of the power can be yours. You know, um, along those same lines, uh, any kind of movie like Wishmaster, uh, Monkey Shines, uh, The Monkey Paw, any of those ideas where you get what you wish for, so to speak, uh, or be careful what you wish for, um, those could be great, great horror entities just bring a genie into your game you know your party finds a bottle on a beach they open it genie pops out have whatever you want i'll grant you a wish what do you want it to be and then just turn that on them and make them live with those consequences i think Could the be a only lot of fun. the only challenge with that becomes players now are so oh they're generally are painfully aware of using their language right in a wish mm-hmm. right whereas like the monkey paw um a lot of it was just you, you're too casual or you're too selfish with your wish. And if you're too casual with the language you use, that's where they get you. Mm-hmm. Right. So with that, um, I think that even if you are as careful as you can possibly be, A, there's either wiggle room or B, what you're asking for isn't that impressive. Yeah. But no matter what, whatever you're asking for comes with a cost. And it's yes. that cost that can be terrifying. That's exactly what I was going to say is that's it's not the wishes themselves. It is what the trade off is. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I wish for a million gold. How do you how, where does the million gold come from? Yeah. Yeah. Like, OK, a million gold appears before you and you, it has the mark of this king on it that you're not familiar with. Right. You know, or something like that. And then all of a sudden you are beset upon by bounty hunters trying to get it the gold back. Or it's cursed gold, like Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, hundred you know, percent. I think that could be any kind of, uh, you know, a great two great um, uh, campaigns to run on on a Halloween weekend would be Curse of Strahd and Ghosts of Saltmarsh. Both Obviously. would be wonderful. Obviously, right? Those yeah. those already exist. Those are great. Um, although there are some things that don't make good, the good horror movies that don't make good horror campaigns because that's already what we're dealing with. And those like monster horror, right? Mm-hmm. We're, yeah. already, we're already doing that. That's all yeah. D&D is, is monster horror. Um, so that doesn't really make for like a good scary thing because, you know, yeah. we're out there killing monsters. That's what we do. 
Yeah, trying to deal with something like The Howling or uh, The what Wolfman. What was that most recent movie with that girl who got stranded on an island and there was a fish monster? Uh, what now? Stim- okay, you keep talking. I'm going to look it up. Okay. Um, but yeah, anything like that. Um, the one exception that I think you might find is a uh, nautical thing where, uh, you know, the end of Jaws or uh, Sea Fever, um, any kind of uh, large aquatic enemy i think could still be quite terrifying depending on how you play it but yeah just hunting down a werewolf isn't that scary in dnd sweetheart is this movie sweetheart i don't even know the sweetheart it's from 2019 um it was actually decent premises um a, was a, a plane crash over the ocean or it blows up or something a woman gets stranded mm-hmm. on an island very castaway like um but there is a monster in the water nearby Okay. Basically, basically, yeah, Castaway, but there's a, a fish monster nearby. Um, on the island. Along those same lines, uh, you could try to go the psychological horror route. A um, couple that come to mind immediately uh, are two very similar but very different films. Uh, the Lighthouse and Cold Skin. Um, both essentially the same idea. Two guys at a lighthouse trying to take care of things. In the lighthouse, it's much more of a, you know, mental break from isolation. Uh, cold skin. There's actually a bunch of fucking Sahawain trying to kill you. Um, so, but either one, trying to have your party isolated and trying to, and I think the hard part right here is make them actually feel isolated during the session. And I don't know a great way to do that, and I don't know a great way to represent the paranoia that comes from it. But if you could find a way, that'd be a great, uh, great way to run a session, especially a one shot. It would be the hardest type of horror to manage because it would be like it would be it would be most like playing a game. Yes. That whereas the rest of them would be like playing D&D. The other ones would be a kind of a game theory game where it's me versus you trying to trying to have that psychological dialogue. Mm-hmm. I think one Very that so. is underwhelming in D&D, but could be better would just be like a standard ghost haunting type. so so hard to do um you know if you think about any ghost movie uh poltergeist house paranormal activity the the others fine yeah any of these the entire scariness of it and the same thing with like uh, an alien abduction kind of setting where the scary things are the things that you don't see where you hear a sound or or you see something move on its own you know the actual sight of it because obviously there are ghosts in the game there are banshees and whites and you know whatever else you would need um it's just not again same with the thing with like a werewolf like yeah in principle a werewolf to me is terrifying but a werewolf to my character what the fuck ever who cares i would love a a proper haunted mansion type adventure yeah 100 percent. that'd be great um but you know you'd have to make the ghosts more dangerous or more sparse even or whatever you'd have to do but you'd also have to find a way to keep prevent the players from just destroying the house mm-hmm. so that would be their um, first instinct would be i'm gonna burn the house down consecrate the ground exactly yeah. um with that i think that if you're gonna do that it's gonna require a lot of sound work on your part Ooh, sound uh, effects 
Um, yeah, I think that's something where you have like just oh, a hot key. That's so good. And like you have surround sound speakers and you just hit a hot key and suddenly there's moaning in the air. Everybody's already wearing headphones now in quarantine. That's perfect. A doors creaking suddenly behind them. You know, that kind of thing could really set the mood for that kind of scenario. That was one of our best pre pre-COVID years ago remote games. You guys had encountered a <laughs> whale and fought it. And I had played whale sounds and you were underwater in some temple or something. And I play the whale sounds again and everybody's just fucking losing their minds because a ghost whale comes fucking ghost whale. through the walls to, to you know, suck your life <laughs> energy. And you guys were like yelling, screaming about ghost whale. Ghost whale. It was so good. I think sounds oh. are big there. Yes. Yes. And like you said, in this remote setting, this is prime time to pull out all the stops with that kind of situation. Yeah. Everybody sits in the dark in their home. Just the only lights the screen. It's great. If you th- and and one thing I will say, if you think that just because you're playing remotely, it can't be scary. Um, I would point you to the movie, and I, it's not really inspiration for a D and D setting, but just to get that kind of remote scare, uh, watch the movie Host. Uh, it's available on Shutter or for rental on any VOD service. It's only 58 minutes, but by God, it's 58 terrific minutes. Okay, Host. Yes. All right, we we covered a lot of films and genres there. Uh, it can be hard to do a spooky campaign, but there are some really great inspiration just from watching horror movies, you know? Um, but it really comes down to the DM, I think, taking a little more seriously. Yes. I think the key is your PCs are going to be laughing and giggling the entire time. You have to make it real for them. Make yeah, the stakes it's all about higher and really drive it home with them. It's all about that buy-in. All right. Uh, make sure to subscribe, rate the show wherever you found it. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever. Follow us on the Twitter. Sometimes it's important for the show. And feel free to send us topics that you want to hear about at rwdpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, we will see you next time, people. Till then. Goodbye. Thank you.